It's not just something I miss. It's what I miss the most. We want to experience as a church the Spirit of God behind the written word when the Holy Spirit falls on us in an evening. And it's non-negotiable at Harvest. world is longing for the depth and the reality of the real God who walks in the room. What would we do if he were to walk into the room? Wow, here we are up close and almost personal today as we social distance. We just appreciate our dream team being in the room today. Give it up again for the dream team. Those that serve you, those that are here in their green shirts each and every week, and they're getting ready for our grand uh, reopening next week. And as a church community, we are excited about it. And uh, we're going to look to the Word this morning. And I'm uh, in June, I did a two-part series, What I Miss the Most. And I was thinking about back in June how it was just, I found online uh, viewing was the best. It was convenient uh, under the circumstances, but man, it just wasn't the same as being together. And in those messages, I kind of highlighted all of the things that go on at Harvest that are so amazing. But I happened to be sitting on my couch listening to an Elevation worship song uh, with my headphones on, and uh, the song was, What Would You Do? And Isaiah Templeton, in a gospel style, starts to sing that phrase over and over again, what would you do if Jesus walked into the room? Well, of course, uh, where he's singing, and it's a live recording, the place just goes absolutely crazy and becomes undone uh, as they respond knowing that Jesus indeed is in the room. And I realize what I missed the most about gathering together, the power of the corporate gathering is the manifestation of the presence of God. You can't capture it virtually. I've watched many a worship service uh, online, not just since COVID, but uh, before that, and, and uh, people that said, hey, this was a great conference, you should watch back on YouTube or whatever happens, and it's just you cannot capture what it's like to be in a room when God's people begin to praise God and his presence comes in a very powerful way. And I miss that the most. There's no virtual Jesus uh, that you can beam into your living room. And I think that even uh, considering that uh, caused me to really begin to think about, um, you know, we've enjoyed times of God's presence. We believe God's omnipresence. He's everywhere at one time, all the time. We believe that theologically. But we also greatly value at Harvest uh, the power of God's presence when he manifests himself in the room. And I want to talk about that today. I want to stir your faith for it today. And, and I had a sense that God just spoke to me back in June and said, get the church ready uh, for September because I want to do something. Uh, just wasn't a sense of exactly what it would be, but just something special that God wanted to do for us in September Little did we know that we would be gathering our first time on September the 6th. Psalm 22, verse 3, tells us that you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. David, as he wrote that, had a glimpse 
had a glimpse of the throne room of God where worship is happening right now. It happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In fact, it's without time or measure because it's in heaven. The apostle John had a glimpse of that in Revelation chapter 4. And the Spirit of God calls to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, and he says, come up here. <laughs> and it's like, how do I get up there where you are? And then it says immediately he was in the Spirit. And so because of the Holy Spirit, because we are also spiritual as Christ followers, we've been born again, we have the capacity to sense and to know the spirit realm. And so John now experiencing that uh, says he was in the spirit and he was at the throne of God and could see through the veil of the natural into the supernatural and began to participate into the worship of heaven. And that's all outlined in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5. As a church, we value this so, so very much. And I think sometimes we can take for granted just week after week and month after month and year after year as we gather, and I don't want to take for granted his precious uh, spirit, his, his manifestation uh, of his love and of his power, of his very existence with us week after week. And so in this break, it's almost like you don't know what you have until it's gone. And, and I, I felt like we were to begin to pray for a heightened sense of God's presence when we return. We looked at uh, Exodus chapter 33. And Moses experienced God's presence in the uh, meeting place. And then he says to God, if you're leading us, if we're going forward, we're not going to go unless your presence goes with us. It wasn't an ultimatum. He wasn't holding God to some standard. He was just saying, God, we're not doing this alone. We're not having religious services. We're not just going to gather and call it church because that's something we're supposed to be doing. God, we want to be with you. We are your people. In fact, he said, the only thing that makes us different than any other group gathering. There's so many amazing groups that gather. Uh, so many not-for-profit groups. There's so many sporting groups. There's so all kinds of groups of people. It's fun to gather as groups of people. And we miss that. But what, what uh, Moses pointed out was what makes us different is when we gather, not because we've done anything, not because we earn it or deserve it, but because we are his people, his presence comes in a pronounced way. That's what makes us different. I'd like you to think about this morning, uh, now that we have our uh, gatherings and our uh, family, family groups that we can have together, maybe it's been a while since you've had uh, somebody stay over, had some guests stay in your home. And whether you've done that because you've extended, you've had the opportunity to extend uh, your, your bubble or you're waiting to do that, just think back to when you had guests come over, maybe for a weekend or for a long weekend, and uh, you had to make some changes in your home so that your guests could have, uh, they could be hosted properly and they could have room to fit them. And so they would have their own room to sleep in, and you might give them the guest bathroom and say, that's yours, that space is for you as you're in our home, and we want to make you feel comfortable. And you probably got your kids together and said, okay, you're going to bunk up with that guy, and cousins maybe are going to sleep down here together, so, so then aunt and uncle or, or grandma and grandpa, whoever it might be, has their own space. And so you rejig the house to make room for your guests to come. 
at the end of your visiting time. You stand out on the driveway or in the front window, however is kind of your custom. And then they drive out of the driveway and you wave goodbye and say your goodbyes over and over again. And as they turn the corner and head down the road, you go back into your house, everything goes back to normal. You clean up, the kids go back into their room, everything kind of goes back to normal. I want you to think about today if your guests weren't guests at all. But for whatever reason, they said to you, we need to move in with you. We've got to become permanent. Somebody went, oh, sorry, sorry to hear that. <laughs> I love live interaction. This is amazing. <laughs> and, so, and so your guests that you really love and you really want them to live in your house permanently, you would have to make permanent changes, maybe build an addition, I don't know. But you'd have to make some permanent changes changes to make room for them to stay. In June, I felt like we were to make some permanent changes at Harvest, and that begins in the heart. And so we did our summer series, and uh, we did Dangerous Prayers, Make Some Room in Our Heart. We did the series Enemies of the Heart, Let's Make Some Room in Our Heart. Room for God begins with giving Him more of ourselves and just opening our heart up to Him in a new way. Well, next week, as we get ready, and today I just want to give you some context as to why we would kind of go full stop and then, and then kind of this idea of we want more of God's presence. I want to give you some context from the Word today uh, to show you that this is something God wants us to do. This is something expected in New Testament uh, experience when it comes to God's people gathering. And like Moses of old, I want to say, God, we're not moving forward unless you go with us. And so next week in our very first service together, uh, both online, we're going to be online together, and uh, those that sign up, and we understand that not everybody can come back right away, and, and so we have this transitionary time. It's online and in the room. But both online and in the room next week, we're going in our live worship time. Uh, we're going to have an extended time of worship, and then we're going to enter into some corporate prayer and our prayers are specifically going to be like the prayers of Moses, asking God, would you come? Would you come in a greater way? Lord, we believe that you've said that. And in response to the word today, Lord, we expect, Lord, we expect, Lord, we expect a greater manifestation of your presence and power in the days ahead. I won't be preaching. We'll just pray, and we're going to worship. And I thought it would be appropriate as a people that values this to just, not that we don't value the word, but we have a lot of the word. But we're going to say we are a people of his presence, and we're going to give ourselves on that very first service to being people of his presence. Let's pray. Father, I just pray today in this few moments that we have left, Lord, that you would stir our hearts. The faith comes by hearing and hearing the preaching of the word. Lord, as we look to the scriptures today as to what to expect in the days to come, Lord, I pray each and every person would begin today by just opening up their faith, opening up their understanding. Lord, that we're going to see the greatest days at harvest ahead of us. We've enjoyed great days. We've seen so many people get saved and healed. But, Lord, you want to do a greater work. You want to multiply what's taking place. We receive that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Well, I want to look at Acts chapter 1 this morning. It's the birthing of the New Testament church. And oftentimes we'll look at Genesis in the beginning. 
to look at the template of God's intention, uh, the birth of mankind, the birth of the world and the universe. And so Genesis has a lot of first mentions, and those first mentions help us understand God's intention of what he wants for us. This morning I want to look at the birthing of the church, the New Testament church in Acts. And at looking at the birth, we can look at God's intentions of how it should be and what the model was of what we should expect today. In fact, as we're going to see, that as we are living in these days and closer to the end, a lot of people are talking about the end now because of what we're facing as a world. And people have asked me, do you think Jesus is coming soon? I say, I don't know. I just know we're closer today than we were yesterday. It seems like in the New Testament, the focus wasn't on the events of the end of the age. Jesus said, keep your focus on the great harvest. Keep your focus on the great work that I have for you to do. He said, there will be wars and rumors of war, but that's not the end. The end will be when there's a great harvest of souls at the end of the age. We're, we want to... Uh, um, practice what the scriptures teach, that we are a victorious church. We're not hiding out in a closet waiting for the end to come. We are declaring his praises. We want to see his presence shine brightly in this day. Can I hear a big muffled amen? There it is. Come on. So as we look at Acts chapter 1 at the birthing of the New Testament church, Luke is going to catch us up in chapter 1 from the end of, as Luke uh, is the writer of Acts, he's going to catch us up as to what happens when Jesus uh, died, he was buried, he was resurrected, he gives his final commandments to his disciples, and then we come into the book of Acts, but there's a transitionary period of 40 days. He's going to bring us up to date. What was going on for those 40 days before Jesus actually ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit? 40 days, Jesus, in his after-resurrection body, his post-resurrection body, walks around the earth, uh, and, and he's, he's interacting with his disciples. And so Luke picks us up on that, and he says this, Acts 1, verse 3. He also presented himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of of God. I'm calling this this morning before we begin, before we begin, before we kind of get back into the routine of church, before we begin, let's remember what this is about. Let's take this verse apart a little bit. And so uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive. Somebody say alive. Type in alive if you're watching it with us online this morning. We want you to know Jesus is alive. We're alive. He presented himself alive. He presented. That's an important word for us this morning. He presented. In other words, we could say it this way. His living presence was with them. His living presence was with them. That's what made the people in the Old Testament different. That's what made the New Testament church different than any other group. That his living presence was was with them. Oh, they tried to kill him on the cross, but death could not hold him down. We serve uh, the God of the resurrection. We serve a living God today. He's alive, and his presence is with us, his living presence. He presented himself alive. Whenever you're in a uh, gathering where there's going to be a guest speaker or an important person is going to take the stage, somebody says, ladies and gentlemen, presenting, and they give you the name of the person, and that person comes, and their presence is now on stage with you. Jesus himself 
presented himself. We're going to see why this is important this morning. Because only God can present God. Jesus presented himself. The Holy Spirit descended in that birthing of the church in the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit took over for Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit is presenting him alive for us to experience. But way more than that. For the world to see that God is alive and that his grace is abundant and he wants to show himself strong to save a world that so desperately needs him in this hour. It goes on to say that he presented himself with many infallible proofs. Infallible proofs. Those are the kind that nobody can argue against. I, I remember when I was a kid growing up in church, there were some Sundays, you know, that I, I'd sit and do my thing in church, you know, kind of tune out. I, as a kid, maybe wasn't really relating to what was happening in the service. And, uh, and I remember the pastor would come up at the end of the service and say something like, let's just close in prayer. It was so wonderful to have Jesus here in such a powerful way today. And I go, what? Jesus was here? I didn't see him. Where, Jesus was here and what? <laughs> and I never could quite understand that. And of course, by faith we believe that, that Jesus is everywhere. He's in the praises of his people. But what about Jesus in the room, in the way? That stuff is going on. People are getting healed. Cancers having to bend its knee to the name of Jesus. How about miracles? Just like when Jesus walked the earth. You see, he presented himself alive with proof. There was proof. Somebody say proof. Infallible proof. You couldn't argue with the proof. And I love that. I love little proofs where we're convinced. But I believe God wants to do some infallible proofs that the world has to say, oh me and oh my, Jesus is with you alive. And I believe it because that's an infallible proof. And we should expect that because that's what Jesus did among them in those 40 days. It says that there were many infallible proofs. You know, we have some uh, miracles that we celebrate. And I love that we have some miracles here at Harvest that we can celebrate over the 17 years that God has been so faithful to us as a church. And, uh, and I'm not belittling that. And I'm not looking back at that and saying that's not a great thing. It's such a great thing. But as we move forward... I believe that God wants us to begin pressing in now in our faith for many infallible proofs. Not one, not two, not a few, not a couple. Many, many. Somebody say many with me today. Many infallible proofs. That word many means many. It means a lot, much. And it means that those proofs were large. They weren't small proofs. I love it when somebody's got a cold and they get touched and got, or a headache. And those are, those are not insignificant miracles. But I believe we can press a little bit for the significant miracles of cancers being broken of sickness bending its knee. We believe in divine healing. Our ministry team gathers each and every week. We have a number that comes up on the screen, and we believe these things to be true. But I'm wondering if the Holy Spirit isn't saying, but do you really believe it? Because are you expecting something to happen after the prayer? I'm glad you're praying. But what would you do if Jesus walked into the room? If Jesus were with you living and presenting himself alive, would you pray different? Would you expect different? Would, would, you, would you see different? 
And I believe the answer is yes. Please understand, I'm not condemning us or saying that we could do better. I'm just saying that God wants to bless us in a new way. I believe it's just something to step into. We believe in next steps at at, at Harvest. We're all taking next steps. And I just believe the next step for us at Harvest is to see many infallible proofs. They saw him and they heard him speak about the kingdom. Jesus in our midst talking about the kingdom that he's building in the day that we live in. Well, Jesus kind of set a precedent for those 40 days and how awesome it was because not only did it when he was alive in his physical body, you've got to get this now, alive in his physical body, he's now alive in his resurrected body, continuing his ministry. And there are some people that say, well, we're not in the day-to-day of miracles. You know, we're in the day we preach God's word. Uh, people just need to kind of get this by, you know, hearing about it and, and, and uh, making a decision to repent. And, and I believe in those principles. But I want you to see that the model of the New Testament is not a powerless context. I really don't think that people can come to Jesus the way the Scriptures say it will happen at the end of the age without the context of Jesus presenting himself alive doing many infallible proofs. That was the glo- what the Bible called the glory of God. When Jesus did his earthly ministry, it accompanied him. When Jesus was on the earth in his post-resurrection body, it accompanied him. Now watch this. John chapter 16, verse 7. He's talking to his disciples. This is before he went to the cross. He's preparing them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage. Well, if I'd been living in those 40 days, I might question, really? It's to our advantage that you're going to ascend to the right hand of the Father? If, uh, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus was still modeling in his post-resurrection body that though he could be everywhere at once, he chose not to be, for that was the work of the Holy Spirit to come in his church. And so he was, he was taking the baton in this great relay race of, of the glory of God and passing it to the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is, what I've been doing by myself, now the Holy Spirit will do in my church all over the world. This, will, this, is, this is going to be miracles on steroids. This is going to be multiplication. This is going to be everywhere at one time through the Holy Spirit that's coming. The helper will not come to you if I don't go. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And, of course, great, the great chapter 2 of Acts, when the Holy Spirit descends on the church and the Holy Spirit's been filling people ever since and manifesting and presenting to the world through his church Jesus alive with many infallible proofs, his spirit. Now, I also want to keep in context today that a desire for more of his presence in our midst is not for the miracles in and of themselves. Although I love miracles, I love when you get touched, I love when I get touched, I love experiencing it, I love seeing people that are sick get healed, I love all those things. But it is never supposed to be for our consumption alone that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in his church, a greater sense of his glory, and that's another way the Bible talks about his presence, glory literally means weight, that 
when Jesus comes into the room, oh, there's something in here. The weight, the evidence of God with us. The reason for that, according to the New Testament, is daily such as should be saved. Of people streaming to the house of God saying, there's something there that I need and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's why we want to see more and more of his presence. I want to end with this scripture this morning. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 60 and then we'll just pull this apart a little bit. Arise, shine, the prophet Isaiah speaking of the day we live in today. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, that's another way of saying people who don't know Jesus, the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Let's just pull this apart a little bit this morning. Arise, shine, your light has come. The prophet is calling to us this morning as he looked down through the corridors of time and prophesied of this day. And he said, we were to arise. And I want you to understand today that it's really God calling us to another level, if we can say that. It's another level. It's a, a, a next step. I want you to arise. Now, I want to be careful as we unpack this because I've often heard this taught uh, because it can also kind of arise from slumber. And I, I've been in services where, man, I've heard the preacher preach eloquently but really lambaste the church for being sleeping for being asleep, for being uh, inattentive or not maybe holy enough. And if we would just kind of get to another level, God might come. If we could just kind of get it right, God might visit us. We might earn the visitation of God. Or if God's really happy with us, he might inhabit, he might stay a while. And I want you to see this morning that this phrase, arise and shine, you can't earn it and you can't deserve it. As I've looked historically over places that have been uh, where there, we call them revivals, where God will manifest himself in a very significant way, and the outcome of that is an awakening in a region, a spiritual awakening, and so many people coming to know Jesus. When that has happened, there was no prescription or how to bring God to the room. It was a people who God just said, I'm going to grace you with my presence, and it's interesting to me that after it takes place that so many people will say, how did you get that to happen in your church? And now they're ready to write books about all the things that you can do to bring God. But if they had just remembered, it was just God stepping into the room. And for whatever reason, like John the Apostle who could see into the spirit realm, like the disciples who could see Jesus presenting himself alive with many infallible proofs, there was a people who said, I can see him, I can hear him, and their faith began to rise, and they began to shine. Now listen, the arise and the arise shine, I think it's just God saying, I'm already shining, I'm already here. I'm already in the room. You've already got this harvest, but you need to step higher in your faith. You need to step higher in your expectation. You need to begin to act like I'm really there. You need to begin to pray like I'm really there. You need to lay hands upon the sick like I'm really there. You know why? Because I'm really there. And not pray like I don't know what if it doesn't happen. And you know what if it doesn't take place? And God's saying, no, begin 
It's already been done. It was done when Jesus died on the cross. It was done when he walked those 40 days. It was done when the Holy Spirit has come and filled us. We're going to see that as we pray and worship next week, there is uh, um, an expectation that we stay full of the Holy Spirit, meaning giving ourselves to the spirit realm of, of prayer and worship and reading the Bible, yes, but not to earn, but simply be in touch with the ability to hear and to see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. Arise, shine, for your light has already come, and the glory of the Lord has risen. For that reason, we want to make the decision that we should be shining bright. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Well, we're realizing that today. We're realizing um, as fear is covering the earth. And some of us, and myself included, as I've, I've had to battle through some emotional stuff and fear in my own heart. It's not what I expected. We just woke up one morning with announcements all over the world. It's a worldwide pandemic, never to be seen in human history like what we're experiencing. But Isaiah said, it's okay. Darkness will cover the earth. At the end of the age, it'll get darker and darker and darker. But, I love when God puts buts in the scriptures, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the Gentiles should come to your light. This is why it's so important as we gather again, and it's great that we've had online presence. I wonder if my wife could join me, please, on the platform as we transition here in a moment. And these days, as, as we've had online presence, and bless every one of you that's watching today, God bless you. I sense you feel what we're feeling in the room today, and I know that you will and that you can. And that God, God it says at the end of the age, things will get worse and worse and worse and worse in the world. But God's people will become brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We'll see more and more miracles. Um, the weight of his glory will become more and more visible. And so if you've kind of heard a teaching perhaps that we're living in a day when miracles have ceased, I want to challenge that very strongly this morning because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says as the earth becomes more and more difficult to live in, God's presence will be more and more abundant and more and more accessible to the world to have. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Acts chapter 4, as we're going to uh, look in the book of Acts in these days, and, and Peter and John find a man that was born crippled from birth. From birth, He couldn't walk at all from his being born until he was 40 years old. They encounter him, he's 40. And uh, uh, they do a miracle. <laughs> Uh, Jesus does the miracle using them. And uh, God manifests himself with that man, and he jumps up and starts praising God, goes into the temple, and kind of the place is undone because there's this infallible proof of God's glory and presence. And so they're questioned about what they did. The religious leaders questioned them. And they says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. In other words, they're not professionals. They... They're not doctors. They don't heal people. How did this healing take place? They marveled. And then they realized they had been with Jesus. The answer, they'd been with Jesus. The focus wasn't on Peter and John. It, the focus was on they'd been in the presence of Jesus. And because they'd been in the presence of Jesus, miracles, infallible proofs were taking place. Well, they 
They didn't want that to happen anymore, and so the religious leaders threatened, brought great threats against Peter and John in the church, and they said, we want you to shut up and don't do this anymore. And so um, Acts 4.14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it, infallible proofs. But they said, look, we're threatening you, don't do this anymore. And so a notable miracle has been done through them, and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We can't deny it, and so they're stuck. They don't know what to do with them. So they just decide, we're going to threaten you to be quiet. We're going to be threatening you not to believe this. And so the church gathers, as we're going to do next week, and they begin to pray. And they weren't all excited because of this miracle that had taken place. They were looking forward. They weren't banking on what had happened. They were saying, God, we need you to do this some more. We need you to do this some more and some more and some more and some more because without your presence, this doesn't take place. And without this taking place, the kingdom's not advancing. And this is what they prayed. When they had prayed, they said, God, we, we, we want you. We'll look at this next time. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. There was no residue from the miracle yesterday. It was living in the eternal now of God's presence. I'm going to be spending the month of uh, September and into October talking about practicing his presence After next week, I'll talk to you about the peace of his presence, how to access peace in the most fierce storms of your life. See, I believe as we do it here together, something happens that isn't, can't happen at home. It doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen at home, but it happens differently. We learn to access his presence. Just, it's different. It's different. It's not better, not worse. Can't even be compared. Our private presence time with him, I believe, when we come together and bring the body together, it unifies and strengthens so that we can go back out and access his presence during the week again. That's my prayer for you. Would you stand with us today? If you're online today, we're just going to pray right now and believe God to seal this word into our heart uh, this morning. Christine and I have been on this journey, uh, well, journey of marriage in August for 37 years. We've been in full-time ministry for about 35. (laughs) Thank you. And I think the one thing we've always, always, always come back to, no matter what's going on in our lives, is we need to worship, we need to find him, we need to discover his presence. Not that he went missing, but sometimes I think our hearts have gone missing. And we've stirred our hearts again to believe that he loves us, he's for us. Honey, you're, you're one of the most passionate worshipers I know, and just even in our own home, I just so appreciate how you have modeled that, demonstrated, um, you know, just that place of going in and practicing his presence. I'd love it if you would pray today for our church and and for those that are watching online. This will be a month of God just doing something special. And I don't know what the special is, but I just know I want to receive all of it. Would you pray for us today? Father, we just, Lord, we trust you right now. God, when everything around us seems so shaky, God, we know we can trust you. God, you've got something right on the horizon. And Father, whatever it is, we're going to embrace it. Whatever it looks like, we're going to embrace it. Whatever you tell us, we'll go and we'll do and we'll serve, God, because that's what we want to do, God. We want to do what you want us to do, Father. Lord, I just pray for even those watching this morning that say, but I don't know what I should do. God, I pray you will even speak to them in their living rooms this morning, God, and you will tell them what 
you want them to do, God. Yes. Not that anything of our physical being, God, but God, what you want. Father, where you lead. God, where you take. God, what you say. We'll just follow. Because God, we trust you. And Father, we can't trust really of anything else but you, God. Yes. And Father, so I pray, even in this auditorium this morning, in living rooms, in cars, wherever yes. people are watching, yes. Father, that you will speak. Yes, Lord. And you will bring clarity to the messed up mumble jumbo in our minds, God. But you can just set everything straight and say, this is how it is. Yes. God, we trust you this morning. Trust we love you, you God. We, we just you. praise you, God. And in the midst of this, you are still God. You're Amen. still on the throne. Yes. You're still looking after us. You're still watching out for us, God. And for that, we say thank you. And we trust you. God, I just praise you even right now in your name. Amen. 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 Prayer well, time. If you're looking yeah. for prayer this morning, even if you're looking for direction, yeah, your next direction. Yes. Yeah. Or text email. It. Or text it. Email us. Yeah. Call the number on the screen right now. Few things we need to remember for next week. Register. Go online and register. That means all of the Dream Team people too. Yeah. Right? All of you in this room. Even if you're serving, we have to be able to track you and your numbers count. So we want to make, make sure your numbers count. I just count. want to give a shout out right now to Yana Conway. She's watching this morning. We've been texting during oh, the sermon. Yana. We love Russ, you, I Russ. Saw Russ was on too. Yana, they're from Nova Scotia. But Yana, like, we just love them so love much. Love them so much. You may not know that Pastor Russ is in our advisory team here at our church. And uh, when I need help, uh, Pastor Russ, along with Pastor Frank Satius and Oshawa, are called in to help us as a yeah. church. We don't walk alone. We walk together here at Harvest. That's right. And I just love Pastor we Russ. Love you and, guys. Uh, love him so much. Make sure some of the rules. Okay, rules. I've been hanging on my wrist. A mask. Social distancing. Yes. Six feet apart. Yes. But you still have to so wear a mask. So you don't say, I have a headache anymore. You say, let's social distance. Right. Right. Okay. Did just you in just case, say that? Just in case. I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, register because of limited seating. We only have so much seating. So you have to go online and register. Otherwise, you may not get a seat. And won't you be disappointed if you show up next week and there's no seat? Right, we want to make sure everybody has a seat. Right. All right. I'll give up my seat if you really need it. But All right. Well, God bless you. <laughs> have an amazing week. See you next week. Hey, make sure you follow social media for emails to come. Keep an eye on your emails and your social media. We love you. Love you so be much. Blessed.